Jesus is not only our Savior, Jesus is not only the Son of God, but Jesus is a teacher who taught in such a way that we can be coached through life. He taught so we could take our life off a negative path and onto a positive path, off of a pathway that leads to destruction and onto a pathway that leads to fulfillment in life. So what does Jesus say about the power of our attitudes? What does Jesus say about how to create healthy relationships? What does Jesus say about how to spiritually connect with God so that His grace becomes the fuel in our life that empowers everything else that we do? Find out the answers to these questions and more in Gateway's new message series, Jesus, the Life Coach. So, we are on the third and final part of our current message series called Jesus the Life Coach, which is based on Jesus' longest ever sermon, the the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, you'll find that in Matthew's Gospel, around about chapter 5, 6, and 7. You should read the whole thing sometime. And this is Jesus teaching us not so much about what the kingdom of God is like. He talks about that elsewhere. He tells lots of parables. He says the kingdom of God is like this and the kingdom of God is like that. And he tells lots of parables to talk about the kingdom of God. It's not so much Jesus talking about heaven and hell or life after death or the final judgment or something like that. There are other places in the gospels that Jesus speaks about those things. But in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus Jesus is speaking to us about how to successfully live life here and now. Everything he talks about is to do with life here and now. I mean, last week we saw he gave advice on how to deal with a court case when somebody wants to sue you. Well, I can assure you that in heaven, nobody's going to sue you. This is not about dying and going to heaven. This is about effectively being coached, being mentored, being taught about how to live a fulfilling life here and now. And in the first week, we looked at the very first thing that Jesus spoke about, the power of our attitudes. And we looked at the list of the nine beatitudes, the attitudes to be. And and in these nine beatitudes, Jesus spoke about how before we ever try to attempt to change things in our world or become frustrated with other people or with circumstances or events, the first thing we need to do is go inside and have an attitude adjustment. And when we adjust our attitudes, they become like the gasoline in our tank that will take our lives outwardly to where they need to go. So the first thing we need to do is get right on the inside. Once we're right on the inside, we will be inspired, we will be motivated, we will be filled up and fueled up in order to act positively on the outside. And so the last week we looked at healthy relationships. And we looked at lots of different things that Jesus spoke about and how Jesus pointed out that every single thing we do in life is an interaction with other human beings and therefore it falls into the category of relationships. It might be a bad relationship, you know, it might be a family feud, 
or a court case that you're being sued in, like we saw, it could be an unhealthy, an unhappy relationship, but everything you do, whether you are work, whether you live in a house with other people, whether they're your family or not, whether you go to work or you are the boss of the work or you deal with customers at work or whatever, it, my goodness, the person in front of you won't turn when the light changes, you know? I mean, like, that person is now interacting with your, everything you do as a relationship. And Jesus spoke to us about how to have positive and healthy relationships. Today, in this last part, we are looking at how to connect with God. Because, you know, we can, we can have all the right attitudes and we can try to be nice people, but unless it is fueled by the life, by the grace, by the presence of God, we could be, think we're doing all the right things, but we could be doing them in all the wrong places. We need to make sure that God is our guide through life. And so we're looking at connecting with God today. And um, there is... Uh, a, a story that I, I wanted to share with you, it's about 150 years old, and it's, I read it many years ago, and it's about a man called George Mueller, or Mueller. It's got the two wee dots above the U. I don't know how you say that, but whatever. How do you say it? M- yeah, with a yes sound. Okay, Mueller, right? Anyway, he lived in England about 150 years ago. He was a Christian. He had been involved in helping start a few churches. But one of the things that really disturbed him an awful lot was the number of orphans that there were, particularly in the city of London, but elsewhere. Lots of orphans. And, um, you know, back in those days, uh, there was no age limit to things. So... An orphan could beg in the street, and once they got a penny, they could go into the bar. There was actually a little stool for them to climb up. I'm talking about little five-year-olds. Could climb up on the bar and order a penny shot of gin. And then go out and beg for another one. So, I mean, these little orphans were like alcoholics. And they were, they were uh, starving, and they were homeless, and so on. And he got this great burden in his heart to rescue these orphans because the only state institutions there were in those days were terrible places. And so he, 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 he raised enough finances to get the first orphanage up and running and to get everything up and running and to get staff and to get orphans in there and so on. But after that, they had no money left. And he was going to have to trust God to provide everything. Now, God provides through people, you know. I mean, like, uh, God doesn't just lean over the balcony of heaven and rain $50 bills down on you. That's not how it works. God finds somebody who's praying and puts a little thought in your heart. Go to that person and rain $50 bills down on them. And then they do it. But it was an answer to prayer, right? So he's praying and he is asking God to meet all their needs. Well, one day they have no food. Like, no food at all. I mean, we pray the Lord's Prayer just and mumble it. Give us this day our daily bread. 
But we've got our daily bread in the cupboard and we've got tomorrow's bread there as well. And we've also got next week's in the freezer. You know what I mean? But like they literally had to pray for their daily bread. So one day there's no food whatsoever. And um, the, the, the staff come to George Mueller and say to him, what are we going to do? There's no food. He says, set all the tables with cutlery and crockery and bring all the orphans in and let's all sit at the table. So they said, okay. So they all do that and they all come and they sit at the table and he stands up and says, let us give thanks to God for the meal he has prepared. But he's lost it this time, you know. They're glancing at each other. And he stands up and he begins to pray and say, I thank you, God, that I know that you're our provider. This whole orphanage was your idea in the first place. And you promised that you would meet our needs and and that, that you would bring us everything we need, that you would be our provider. And I thank you for the amazing food that you have provided for. And before he even got to the end of the prayer and said, amen, there was a knock in the door. And when he opened the door, one of the staff went and opened the door there was a man who owned a grocery store who was there who was also a Christian and said "Um, I ordered way too much stuff by accident and I didn't know what to do and I was going to send it back and then I thought I should pray about it and I prayed and the thought came into my heart that God wanted me to bring all these crates of food here to you Well, you heard from God. Thank you very much. (laughs) In Jesus' name, amen, right? And they brought the food in. And when I read stories like that, and I realize that man, George Mueller, it wasn't like he was faking it. Well, let's pretend I've got a lot of faith here. Because he had to do it in front of the whole room of people. I mean, like, if the prayer hadn't have been answered, everybody would have known. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like... uh, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't kind of like bluff your way out of it. It's not like praying for a sick person and they don't get better and then you say to them, sometimes healing takes time, you know. It's not like you can say, sometimes the food takes time to materialize on your plate. It doesn't work that way. You've either got food or you don't. What gave this man this calm confidence in God? It was the fact that he had experienced a whole lifetime of walking with God, of trusting God, of praying to God, of connecting with God. And today we're going to look at what Jesus said about how we can awaken our faith, how we can connect with God, and then how we can go a whole lifetime walking with him and trusting him. So if we want to connect with God, the very first thing we need to do before we even try to pray or anything else, the very first thing we need to do is we need to change the way that we see God and his world. Let's say that together. Change the way you see God and the world. Can we do it with a bit of enthusiasm? Change the way you see God and the world. Because if you see the world as a bad, dark, evil, horrible place, and if you see God as a distant, judgmental, reluctant God, 
then that is going to seriously affect your ability to connect with them in prayer. And then from then on through the rest of your life. But if you can first change the way you see God and the world, it lifts you out of that that attitude, that impression, that worldview, and it brings you into a place where faith becomes easy. Look what Jesus said. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body, provides internal light. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light that you think you have is actually darkness, then how deep that darkness is. Jesus is saying here, there's a way that you can look at things in a healthy manner, or you can look at them in an unhealthy manner. You can either look at the dark side of life and see everything as gloomy and dark. You can choose to focus. See what it says uh, when your eye is healthy. Some of you may know this verse from from old-fashioned translations like the King James. And it has it there, if your eye is single. If your eye is single. And that's what this word healthy means. It means you choose to focus on one thing and one thing only. My eye is single. My eye is healthy. My eye is functional. I am choosing to focus only on the light. I'm going to, I'm choosing to believe that God is a good God. The Bible says God is light and in him, There's no darkness at all. If you see God as having some dark side to his nature, it's going to seriously affect your ability to connect with God. If you see the world as being full of of all the negative things, poverty and darkness and sadness and sin and sickness and so on, then that is seriously going to affect your ability to pray in faith, believing that you've received You say, but the world is full of all that stuff. No, it's not. You can't be full of nothing. You cannot be full of nothing, okay? And all that stuff is nothing. Darkness is not a real thing. Darkness is the absence of light. You know that. You go into a dark room and you flick the light switch. When the light goes on, there's no more darkness. But it's impossible to go into a room full of light and flick the dark switch on. There is no dark switch. There's nothing that produces darkness that swamps out the light. Darkness doesn't exist. It is the absence of light. Sickness is the absence of health. Your body was designed to be healthy. God gave you an amazing immune system. You know, you're you're designed to be healthy, so sickness is the absence of health. Sadness is the absence of joy. Choose not to look at things that are nothing. Choose to look at the things that are something, the things that God created. And so it says here, if your eye is healthy, it's single, it's focused, it's focused on the light. You don't see God as dark and grumpy and distant and reluctant. You see him as present, as loving, as your father, as your provider, who created an amazing creation that is bountiful and abundant. 
Let's read on and we'll see what else he says. He says, I tell you not to worry about everyday life. See, once you stop looking at negative things, you'll stop thinking negative things. Don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. Look at the world. Look at the world in a new way. Look at the world in a positive way. Look at the birds and see that they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Let's read on. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field. Look at creation. Look at the grass growing. The grass doesn't strain to grow. Go, go out your, once all the snow melts, go out your front door and kneel on your lawn and put your ear down there. You won't hear the, 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 the grass straining. Ah, I've, oh, it's hard work. Boom, there's another. It doesn't do that. It's effort. Grass grows effortlessly. Have you noticed that flowers grow towards the light? They aim towards the light. They open up towards the light. This world is abundant. It's creative. It's amazing. And he says, look at it. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers, that's the kind of image you need to have in your mind about God. Not the great long-bearded one sitting on a throne, pointing his finger, but as someone who cares for every little single-celled amoeba, causes the flowers to grow and the birds to be fed. He says he will certainly care for you, so why do you have so little faith? And he's actually answered all. Do you know why we have so little faith? Because we're looking at the dark side of everything. We look at God and we, look, we think of the dark side. We look at the world and we just see all the dark stuff. Then we begin to worry. We worry about this. We worry about that. We think we have to solve everything ourselves. Take a step back. Change the way you see God and his creation. He is a loving father who delights in providing for his children and has already provided an abundant creation that if we would just take a look at it, we would know that God is good and that he has our best interests in heart. Let's read on. He then says, next one, so don't worry. Everybody shout, don't worry. About a thing, because every little... Oh, anyway, that was... Okay. <laughs> Don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear, what will we order from Skip the Dishes. These things, these things dominate the minds of unbelievers. They dominate our thoughts. People who don't have faith, who don't trust God, who have never connected with God, their thoughts are dominated by all of these needs, right? But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God. Where did Jesus say the kingdom is? The kingdom of God is? Where? It's not a trick question. The kingdom of God is within you. 
Seek first the kingdom of God, God working within your life and through your life above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's troubles is enough for today. Do you see how the first thing we have to do is change the way that we see God and his creation? And once we've done that, then we are ready to pray. Then we are ready to connect. I mean, you think, I'm going to go and pray to God, but I see everything is doom and gloom. I see God is far, far away in a galaxy someplace else on a planet a million miles away. And, and he's got a lot to do. And I've not got time for you. Hurry. I mean, that's the image we have. And then we're going to go and pray. What do you think your prayers are going to be like? <laughs> They're going to be pretty feeble prayers, but you've changed the way that you see God. You see him as your loving father who delights to provide for his children. You see the creation that he has made as something abundant, full of life and full of provision. And you come to God and pray like that. All of a sudden, you're light, you're bright, you're up, You're confident. You're ready to go. And here's what Jesus said. Let's read on about prayer, connecting with God in prayer. He says, ask. And if you've been very good this week and you've tithed and God's pleased with you and he's not too busy, he might answer half your prayer. Is that what Jesus said? But that's what we think most of the time. Jesus said, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find knock on that door, knock, knock, knocking on heaven. I've got the songs going on today. I don't know why. (laughs) Knock on heaven's door, knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and those who seek find, and those who knock, the door will be open to them. You parents, if your children ask for bread, do you give them a stone? Or if they ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. If you're sinful and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will our heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? This is the whole thing of the story of George Mueller. He got this. He knew and we're going to ask and we will receive. We're going to knock upon heaven's door and the door will be open. In fact, somebody else is going to knock upon our door and we're going to open it and there's going to be the answer to our prayers right there. You see, the reason he was confident that he could connect with God in prayer was because he had already changed the way he saw God and he saw the world around him. So connecting with God in prayer, believing that you receive. And once that you have done that, once that you have, you know, I've changed the way I'm I'm thinking, I'm praying, I'm praying strong, I'm praying confidently, I'm praying in faith, right? Is that me done? No, that is just the beginning. Now you will spend the rest of your life 
journeying through life, trusting God, praying, exercising faith, it's like a little child now walking with his father hand in hand through life. And as your life goes on, the child grows and matures and learns more and more lessons That's why he was so confident that the prayer for the orphans would be answered. Because that prayer wasn't his first rodeo. He had done a few prayers before. That man had been walking with God, trusting in God, praying to God, connecting with God for decades. And he had proven through his own life that God is faithful. And when you walk with God, when you trust God, when you realize that faith is not a destination for us to arrive at. It's not like I'll pray and I've arrived and now I've got faith, but faith is a journey through life that we have to trust God in different ways at different times, but we are proving his faithfulness each and every time our faith is becoming stronger. So faith is not a destination. Faith is a journey through life in partnership with God. And the journey is more important than rushing to the destination because that is where we learn and we grow. We learn who God is. We learn who we are. We learn what we're on this world for. So Jesus then goes on about this connecting with God. And he says, it's a lifelong process. He says, first of all, there are different paths in life to choose. Make sure you choose the right one. Make sure you feed yourself from the right food. Make sure you build your life in the right location. So let's have a look at at, at these things. Next slide, please. Everybody shout, choose the right path. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. The pathway to destruction is broad. And it's gate wide for the many Uh, who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few find it. Now, this is often used to talk as if it's two paths to heaven and hell. But Jesus isn't talking about heaven and hell. In the whole sermon, he's not talking about heaven and hell. He's talking about loving your neighbors and forgiving your enemy and sorting out that court case. He's not talking about dying and going to heaven or dying and going to hell. This is not the path to heaven and the path to hell. This is a path of life and the path of destruction. If you've ever read the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs This is spoken about a lot. The wise travel down one pathway in life. The foolish travel down another. There's a pathway that leads to prosperity and one that leads to poverty. There's a pathway that leads to destruction, but another one that leads to life. And it gives us all this advice about choosing the right path in life. And just to make it simple, if you want to choose the right path, come to Gateway every Sunday. It is the gateway to life. Okay? There you go. Problem solved. Choose the right path. Don't go wandering off down some stupid path, living some stupid life, and then asking God to bail you out all the time. It is wiser to think, That path ain't a good path. It leads to destruction. This path leads to life. I'm walking on this path. 
But even after you've chosen the right path, it's possible. It doesn't mean everything on everything in your life is now right. It is possible to choose the right path. It's possible to be in the kingdom of God. It's possible to be part of a church. It's possible to be growing in your faith and still be getting misled by certain people. Because on that pathway, there are trees that line the pathway. And these trees are producing fruit. But some of the fruit is good fruit and some of the fruit is bad fruit. Let's read on. Choose the right path and eat healthy food. Jesus said, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but they're really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you, I mean, some people, they want to go down the right path, but they eat all the wrong fruit and they end up in some cult or in something like that. And, and they're eating poisonous fruit. You know, like the witch that brought sleeping, was, who was it, Cinderella or whoever it was. Somebody had an apple, you know. <laughs> it was poisoned, you know. And it put her into a sleep, into a coma. Boy, I've been at some churches and what they're getting fed on the platform has put everybody into a coma, you know. Make sure you eat good... See when you're flicking through Facebook and you, you come across that preacher and he's an angry preacher and his veins are sticking out in his neck and his eyes are bloodshot and he's got a big giant Bible, this sir. Keep flicking on by. Flick on by. That happy smiley preacher's coming up soon. Wait till he comes, okay? Find somebody that encourages you. Find somebody that inspires you. Find somebody that motivates you. Find food that feeds your soul. And watch out for all that toxic, judgmental, angry, hate-filled food that is sold in the name of Christianity and has got nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Make sure you eat good food because not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. There are some flakes and charlatans and cooks and weirdos out there, just be careful and make sure that everything that you're feeding yourself on spiritually and emotionally and intellectually is causing you to look on the light side of life, on the light side of God, that it is fueling you internally as well as fueling your life. So you're walking down the path, you're choosing the right food, and then you get to the end of the path And here's a nice big bit of land here. This area here, boy, it's a solid rock. This area here is a sandy beach. Now, I am going to build my life. I am going to build my home. I want it to last for generations. Which foundation am I going to choose? Well, Jesus tells us, last passage, he says, it says, build on a solid foundation. Jesus said, anyone who listens to my teaching and puts them into practice, puts them into practice, that's an important part, is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house and it's minus 47 with the wind chill, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. 
But anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey them is foolish like a person who builds his house on sand. When the rains and floods come in and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And that's the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is saying, everything that I have said up until now, from your attitudes to your relationships to spiritually connecting with God and growing in faith, all of it is about building a life that is built on a solid foundation because troubles come to believers just like troubles come to unbelievers. But if your life is built on a solid foundation, when the troubles come, your life won't fall apart. The house won't collapse. You'll stand strong. So everything that Jesus said about our attitudes, about our relationships, about believing in God, trusting in God and connecting with God, All of that enables us to build our lives upon a rock, the rock of Christ. So, I want you to think of these images. Walking along a path. Well, that takes time. That is something that takes time. Uh, Eating fruit from trees. Well, you think a farmer plants seeds and they grow into it. It's a long time before you harvest the fruit. Or building a house, you know. I mean, like, you know, the... Well, I suppose some people do, but you don't want a house that that is just coming and being dropped on that piece of land. You want it to be built brick by brick, step by step, stage by stage, so that the whole infrastructure of the house, the whole infrastructure of your life is held together strongly. All of these things take time. You can connect with God in an instant but you're walking with him for a lifetime. And the longer you walk with him, the closer you build your relationship with him, the more you will learn to trust him because you'll discover that he is faithful. Now, I would like to invite you all to stand because we're going to pray. This is the third Sunday of the month. We always have the prayer team available to pray for people down the front on the first and third Sundays of the month. And very often we emphasize healing, you know, physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, and so on. And we can pray about healing today as well. But today we're opening this up much wider. Because today we're talking about connecting with God and building our life on a strong foundation. Maybe there is some way that, that you, some area of your life you're struggling in. You've tried praying about it and your prayers just feel like they're falling flat. You feel like you're not really connecting with God. You feel like you've not got the answer to that situation. Well, you're going to be able to come down the front and our prayer team, someone in our prayer team will pray with you. The Bible says if two of you on earth agree together in prayer, it shall be done by our Father who is in heaven. But hey, maybe you've never connected with God at all. I want to just lead us all in a short prayer right now. Can we just close our eyes and just still our thoughts and our hearts? We're going to just say the short prayer of putting our trust in Jesus Christ. Let's do it together. And if you're doing this for the first time, I encourage you, just open up to God today. Say after me, Heavenly Father, 
Today I give you my life, my past, present, and future. I place it all in your hands. Wash me clean from all my sins and mistakes. Fill me with your love and power. I put my trust in Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. He is my shepherd and guide through life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.